Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5. This is Lesson 33. I'm going to begin on page 21 in chapter 19. In my book, at the top of the page, I've got Matthew 5.17. I hope it's the same. Yes? Okay. So I'm going to begin there. This is where Jesus said again, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. We're looking at that verse, and we got to the place where we were looking at... In fact, last week we looked at the moral law found in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, where Jesus said, you love the Lord your God, you know these verses, amen, and love your neighbor as yourself, and he says on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Um, I'm not going to go over it, because I know people are listening to this online, and it's very frustrating to hear it all again. So, <laughs> so I'm going to continue on from where we left off, and we were just about to look at the fact that Jesus also fulfilled the judicial and civil laws perfectly. And we're going to look at an excellent example of this in Mark chapter 12, where it says in verses 13 through 17, and let me begin reading there, it says, Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. In other, in other words, to trick him. Okay? And in verse 14 it says, When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true. This is so two-faced, isn't it? So it says again, Teacher, we know that you are true and you care about no one. What a statement to make, that he cares about no one. This is the person that it says over and over again, he was moved with compassion and he healed them all. You know, and whenever there was a situation, he was, his heart was the first thing that was displayed. You know, he, this, remember again that Jesus is God. And we know from 1 John 4, 8 and, uh, verses 8 and 16 that God is love. So everything that he does is in love. And so this verse, I mean, what they're saying here is absolutely wrong. But notice they're baiting him. They're trying to say to him, listen, we understand that, you know, you care more. This is kind of what they're saying. You care more about God than man. And it's said in a very funny way, but... And so he says, For you do not regard the person of men, but, watch this, but teach the way of God in truth. Do you see that? And then it says, Now is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So can you see how they first of all say, Now we understand that you really don't care about people and what they say and what they say, you know, say we should do. You only care about what God does. So now do we pay taxes? Isn't it interesting? Yeah, This is kind of what lawyers do when they set somebody up. They get that person nodding and they say, and then you did this, didn't you? And they go, oh. <laughs> you know? So, but remember, this is Jesus. Remember he is, remember in First John, it tells us that he's our defense attorney. Which means he's a lawyer par excellence. These lawyers are trying to catch him out. I mean, don't do this, this is bad for your health. Okay? <laughs> it's all right. Now, I've said in brackets, paying taxes was a part of their judicial civil law. So it was wrong for them to even ask. So in other words, there was never a question about this. You do what was right where you were. Are you all here? But see how they, you know, the way they did it, and you need to watch out for this as well, is be careful how people bait you. Be careful how people want you to say yes to something that they want to do, and they want your permission... Because if they get your permission, I'm going off track a little bit here, but I think it's worth it. If they get your permission, then if it doesn't work, they can blame you. That's right. Be careful. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen? Alright. Verse 15. So they say, shall we pay or shall we not? But he, knowing their, not sincerity, 
but hypocrisy. Okay? Said to them, why do you test me? So immediately, he pulls their card. He says, you're not asking this because you want to live a better life, because you, know, you want to actually know the answer to this question. You're actually doing this to trick me. Amen? And, and I think it's interesting that he says that, that he pinpoints it. So can I say to you, if the Spirit of God leads you in such a way, and you feel like somebody is sort of pulling you to, to try and trick you, from Jesus' example. Remember the question we asked? What would Jesus do in this situation? And I said, people have no idea. <laughs> okay? Because they never studied Him. So now we're studying Him. So I really want you to see these things. And I really want you to apply them to your life when that question comes up. What would Jesus do in this situation? Because our usual response to that is, Oh, be loving and just let Him get away with everything. Are you all here? Because that's what's been preached, because people don't know the answers. Now, be loving, but you don't need to be tricked, okay? And so, watch what Jesus does. The first thing He says is, why do you test me? And then He says, <laughs> I love the next thing. You know, you know this story. He says, bring me a dinaris that I may see it. So they brought it and He said to him, whose image and inscription is this? Let me just stop here for a second. You know, I'm reteaching this. We could race through this. I could say, well, you know this, you know this, you know this. But I really want to bring some truths back to you. So again, he says, watch, he says, Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Notice it's not God. It, there's, God is not on the inscription. Listen, I'm making a point here. Caesar's image is on it. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. In other words, he's saying, You are complaining about paying taxes. Are you paying your tithes? Are you giving to the temple? Are you giving where you're meant to give? You know, it's a funny thing how they'll play games with you. You know what I'm trying to say? And not to put people in bondage, by the way. Okay? But it, I'm just saying, they're raising a point here. And my question back to them is, are you doing everything you're meant to be doing? Amen. Can I just say, by the way, they're trying to trick him? I don't think so. These don't seem like really godly people. Which means they're prob- not, probably not doing all the other things God tells them to do either. Helping widows and all that sort of stuff. You know what I'm trying to say? Whatever it is, being kind. Amen. Okay. So, this, <laughs> I've said here, this tells us Jesus obviously believed in paying taxes. Okay, anyway. What's more, he went on to pay the temple tax imposed on him by corrupt religious officials of the time. It's really interesting. You know how they had just accused him of not caring? That if it wasn't God, then he wasn't going to do it? But watch what he does when he knows, when it, even when it's not God. That's why I said corrupt religious officials of his time. When he says it, you know, to Peter in Matthew 17 and verse 27, however, we don't want to offend them. See this? Jesus says, you know, I know they're a bunch of thieves. <laughs> I could use other words, but okay. He's just saying, I know they're a bunch of thieves, but we don't want to offend them. Okay, watch this. And, and I've, I've said here, Jesus never, is never looking to pick a fight with anybody. So he says, go down to the lake, throw in a line. <laughs> you remember, it's a fisherman. All right, and he says, open the mouth of the first fish you catch. Now, what are the odds of this happening? All right, and he says, and you will find a coin. Take the coin and pay the tax for both of us. Wow. That's faith, man. Somehow, one fish out there got a coin stuck in its mouth. 
And Peter was going to catch that. I don't know how the fish could grab the hook while he got a coin in his mouth, but he did it anyway. I don't know. This is a miracle. Do you understand? So don't try to explain these things out. It's a miracle. This is how it works. And also, can I, sh- can I say something here? Don't try to figure God out. You know, sometimes we limit Him to our ability to find a solution. And when we can't, we call it impossible, and then we don't put any faith in our prayer. Because according to us, we can't see a way through it. That's why I was saying, you know, I was, I was ministering to the youth, and I said, there are things that your heart can believe, that your brain can't figure out. Leave your heart alone. Don't reason your way out of a miracle. Do you hear me? Amen. Okay. Are you glad you came? This stuff helps, okay? All right. (laughs) So so here we see that once again Jesus fulfills the law. This time the judicial aspect of it, every jot and every tittle perfectly. That brings us to the final category of the law, and that is the ceremonial law. It is the most controversial of the three, and unlike the other two, it was meant to be temporary and pass away at the cross. Okay, so this is one of the things, yeah, we'll get to something in a minute that so many people have sort of a little bit misunderstood when Jesus said it is finished. This is kind of what he actually meant. All right? All right. That's why the Apostle Paul, who was a Jew of Jews and a Pharisee of Pharisees, said in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain um, holy days, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. For these rules were only shadows of the real thing, Christ Himself. Now let me stop here for a second, because I want to share something with you as well here. Don't get upset about when Christmas is, when Easter is. You know, my daughter has a habit of rearranging all those for us. She goes, let's not have Christmas on the 25th. Let's have it on the 26th. If, if we're all busy doing something, or, you know, we're, we're too, much, too busy entertaining. She goes, can we just move it to the 26th? You know, I don't have an issue with that. Absolutely. I don't go, bless God. What are you moving Christmas? You can't do that. That's a holy day, you know. Oh, get over it. I want, <laughs> the reason I'm bringing that out is because we are starting to move into a time where there is a lot of, what's the word, religious correctness kicking in now. And it is upsetting a lot of Christians about what's going on and where things are. And You know what? Take a chill pill. I'm just saying this to you. We worship God in the heart. We are a spiritual kingdom. Now this is where the spirit part kicks in. Okay, We are a spiritual kingdom. It really doesn't matter. Every day should be Christmas, by the way. Every day should be Easter. We should be celebrating those things in our life all the time. Amen. Not wait for one day in the year, you know, to do it. And the thing is that it shouldn't matter to us what people are deciding to do, you know, moving this and all, you know, how could they, how could they turn Christmas into Xmas and all that stuff. I know it's a little upsetting, but don't let it upset you. It's in your heart. Christ is in there. And, as, and we know that the world is going, you know, down a certain track. Armageddon is coming. Hello. Somewhere this stuff has to start, somewhere. We, seem, we happen to be in the generation where it's begun. Can you all agree with me on that? Okay. And understand something, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Which, <laughs> listen, which means that power is getting turned up on our side. As much as the darkness is getting turned up, so is the light. And we need to catch 
we need to catch a hold of it and understand that there is a grace on us now that wasn't there before because of the time that we're living in. So don't ever let the devil come at you with the, oh, what makes you think that you can do so much better than your ancestors did? Say, because the time I'm living in. Amen? And then you start to exercise your faith and don't be surprised if things start working so much you know, quicker than they did in the past. Amen. I want to encourage you with that. Amen. You're welcome. Amen. Okay. So, this is the reason why I'm bringing this out. In order for you to understand that Paul didn't have a problem with what days you celebrated, what ceremonies you had. He didn't care. He said, you know what, as long as you... Can I just paraphrase it? As long as you're serving Christ, as long as you're honoring Him, it doesn't matter about the days. He's not sitting there getting very upset that it wasn't the 25th that you had Christmas on. You know, there are different countries that have Christmas other days. I know the Ethiopians have it in January or something. I don't know. So, you know, as if we're... And some religious person out there will say, Oh no, brother, they're having it at the wrong time. God doesn't honor that. You want to say, come here and slap. No, <laughs> don't do that. Okay, so somebody said they even have Christmas in July. The, the, the thing is that it doesn't matter. Paul has said something very significant here that applies across the board, not just to Christmas and Easter and stuff, to anything. We need to understand that God is spirit. And those that worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's it. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, let's get back to the ceremonial law. So, I've said, in other words, the whole purpose of the ceremonial law was to prepare the nation of Israel for the coming of their Messiah and help them recognize Him when, they got, when He got here. But once He came and paid the price for mankind, it would all come to an end. And why Mark chapter 15, verses 37 and 38, and John chapter 19 and verse 30, I've combined, I've put them together, okay, says, <clears throat> And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, it is finished, and breathed his last breath. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Very interesting, top to bottom. Okay, not bottom to top. Verse 19, So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last breath, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Now, anybody that saw one of the... the, the yeah, <laughs> exactly. Had John Wayne's, surely this must be the Son of God. You know, <laughs> okay? One of those things. He goes, where's your saddle, dude? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> <But> <laughs> was my, one of my cousins that was saying, I saw John Wayne listed in the credits, and he goes, I don't know where he was. And he said, I was about the 30th time I was watching it. And then I realized it was this one little scene at the cross when this happened, and there he was, you could tell by the voice, you know, he said, I don't know how I missed it, but anyway, just having a little fun here. All right, in his commentary, John MacArthur says that all the ceremonial requirements of the Mosaic law are fulfilled in Christ, and are no longer to be observed by Christians. Are you getting this? Amen? Okay. Yet not one, or, one jot or tittle is uh, thereby erased. The underlying truths of those scriptures remain. And in fact, the mysteries behind them are now revealed in the brighter light of the gospel. I really like that. Today we have the Spirit living in us. Amen? And so the person that wrote the book is revealing it to us as we read it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Where was I? All right. 
That's the reason Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1 says that the old system in the law of Moses was only a shadow of things to come, not the reality of the good things Christ has done. Amen. In fact, not only did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets perfectly, but He was the actual embodiment of it all. In short, it was all about Him. This is really important that we understand that everything that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the religious leaders were meant to keep, all the things that were doing, all the ceremonies that they elevated to the place of being something almost as important as God, was all about Him. Isn't it sad that when He turned up, they missed the whole point of everything they were doing? Yeah, I mean, everything pointed to Him. And He turns up, and they don't realize it. Amen. And you know, one of the, I guess one of the greatest statements that was spoken was by John, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. Everything that they did ceremonially in preparing an animal, checking to see it was perfect, that it didn't have any blemishes, behold the Lamb of God. All the things that they spent so many hours doing, behold, (laughs) and they missed it. You know, they should have looked at Him and, and remembered the thing that they probably did yesterday, if not today. And gone, wow, this is the perfect Lamb of God. Just in the way that we were meant to, to, to inspect it carefully, make sure there was no blemishes, and so on and so forth. We were, that was to tell us, see, that was, it wasn't about the Lamb, it was about who was coming. It was to tell us that when this Lamb appears, He will be like the Lamb that we always send you know, for, for offering. He will be perfect. Amen. And as much as we have inspected it and said it's okay, the Lamb that God is going to send, He has inspected it and said it's okay. Amen. Alright. So, even when it came to the Sabbath, let's move on. It was not a moral or judicial law, but a ceremonial law. The only one in the Ten Commandments. And why Jesus said to the religious leaders of the times, and see, this is why this, you know how people insist on keeping the Sabbath day? It was the one thing that passed away. It was the one thing that was finished. Because it was meant to be a Sabbath every day from then on. You were meant to remember God every day because you had God living in you now. These people didn't have God, so that would be, you know, it it was kind of like the stick and the carrot. You know, they would kind of be led by the carrot and then beaten with the stick when they did the wrong thing. Because they had nothing in them to, to convict them of what they're doing wrong. That's why they kept going off track all the time. But now with God on the inside of us, you know, remember uh, the Apostle Paul said, don't you know that you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost? You carry God in you. Amen? And so because of that, we don't need sticks and carrots anymore. We don't need Sabbath days anymore. Listen. Because He lives in you. And what should be happening is we should be having a continual Sabbath. Amen. From the day he died, it was a continual Sabbath. We remember God every single day. We honor him in everything we do. Amen. And we shouldn't step in any direction without his okay. By the way, that's why the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Amen. Okay. So, Let me reread this again. So when it came to the Sabbath, it was not a moral or judicial law, but a ceremonial law. 
And why Jesus said to the religious leaders of the time in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man, but not man for the Sabbath. See that? That was the whole thing. Today they enforce it the other way. You are forced to do things. You are forced to endure things, <laughs> you know? Because, bless God, we're going to keep the Sabbath, you know? And, 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 and it's, it's a lot of times to your detriment in some way. Except the thing was, it was made the other way. It was made for you, so that it helps you, so that you, you know, if you've been working yourself into the ground, and you're just not taking any time out, it was to remind you, take a day. Remember God. And maybe reflect now before you hit 97, and you're sitting on the porch in your you know, rocking chair going, I should have made different choices. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? That, that, that day was meant to be a day that you sit back and reflect and make sure that you're doing all the right things. Amen. Because it's a funny thing, you start talking to God and He'll let you know where you're going off course. But if you take 40 years before you talk to Him, <laughs> you know, for 40 years we've been going off track. Are you all with me? Amen. And it becomes difficult to go back. So this, this is the reason why it was made for you. It was, it was there for you to remind you to take some time out to talk to God, to make sure you're on track, and then so that He could bless everything that you did. And you know that you're blessed in everything that you do. You know, somebody said, you know, somebody went to God and said, bless my plans, and somebody else said, why don't you ask God for the plan, it'll already be blessed. Amen. That's what this is about. Take time out. Find out His plan, and it's already blessed. Amen. Okay. And that's why He says, therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Praise God. Oh, I could preach on that. Anyway, this tells us one of, the, one of the functions of the ceremonial laws was to help people in one form or another, not to put them in bondage, which is what the religious uh, leaders by Satan were doing, and why Jesus constantly opposed them. So it, again, it was, it was there to help people, not to put them in bondage. Amen? It was there to assist them, and again, why Jesus constantly would heal people on the Sabbath. Because while everybody put, you know, the Sabbath over people, Jesus put people over the Sabbath. Because it was there for them. And can I say this? If there was one day you should get healed, it should be on the Sabbath. And isn't it interesting that that was a one day that they had issues with that he was healing. And, God, and Jesus, remember one time he said, God's working. <laughs> remember? He said, He's working, so am I. Which means all of you people that are doing something different are going against Him. Not just me. Anyway, in fact, in direct reference to all their ceremonial laws, Jesus says to the Pharisees and the religious uh, teachers in Mark chapter 7 and verses 6 and 7, He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away or far from me. Their worship is a farce, <laughs> like that, for they replace God's commandments with their own man-made teachings. Isn't that incredible? They honor me with their lips, but their heart isn't in it. Be careful when you make confessions before God, that you're not speaking things and your heart isn't in it. Because remember, it's your heart that moves mountains. Amen? And you'll be judged for every empty word, an idle word that we speak. 
And you know what? That doesn't mean that you can't you know, tell jokes and stuff, okay? They are not empty and idle words. They have a purpose too. They're, you know, a merry heart do us good like a medicine. Hello, amen? Okay, so that's cool. I know one person, I know a, a relative of mine, you know, found out about these words, and he said, bless God, I'm never going to tell a joke again from now on. And, you know, and then he became the most boring person in the world. And dear God, we were all waiting for him to snap out of it. Amen. All in the name of religion. And you know, when he said it, it just sounded... You know how sometimes in the spirit, you just think something is wrong here? It sounds right, but it's wrong. And I realized that he had understood the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Amen. And so we need to be careful that we aren't reading things into things, which is what the Pharisees did. You know, and the scribes, they made so many laws out of other laws... And then it became bondage at the end of the day, instead of being freeing. And that's when I realized something, hang on a second, there are empty words, there are idle words. And we need to be careful about those things. Those hymnal prayer book, you know, when you sort of say stuff, you know, and your mind is furthest from what's actually being said. And you, know, you say things just out of repetition. And everybody goes, and so said the Lord, Amen, or whatever, you know. And you just say stuff. Nobody sit there thinking about their turkey, they're thinking about their vacation, they're thinking about something else. They're not here. Those are empty words. Idle words. They're all here. Amen? But you know, if you're doing something to make somebody happy or whatever, don't worry. Okay, God's not going to go, an idle word, it's not a word of faith. What is wrong with you? He'll never say that. Jesus, you know, Jesus would sit down and laugh with you. There's a revelation. Anyway, let's finish this because it's almost there. That's the reason even though the religious leaders constantly accused Jesus of breaking the law, all he ever did was break their misinterpretation and addition to God's laws. However, when it came to keeping God's actual laws, he did it perfectly. And why he said again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, with such conviction, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Amen? Amen. Let's take a break and we'll come back and look at how Jesus fulfilled the prophets.